my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am super excited to be here on this Friday. We're spending a little happy hour together with uh, Steve Rubin. How are you, Steve? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Steve was just saying, um, you know, the podcast listeners, of course, can't see my office, but he was just saying, uh, wow, you've got the same office. I'm like, yep, same office. Uh, Steve was a 2010 graduate of our program. So he's been out in the working world for a little bit now. Um, He just told me that he has a, a two-year-old and a four-and-a-half-year-old, and, a half year old, and I, th- I feel like that just like exploded my mind, Steve. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my go- oh, my goodness. Yeah, a uh, lot, lot happened in 13 years, for sure. Uh, I no, know. No. I know. It's amazing how it flies by, but uh, it's so good to see you. Um, uh, Steve is, is currently um, serving as the Director of Commercial Sales for a company called TRX Training, and um, we're going to get all into exactly Exactly what TRX training does and 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 what Steve's doing with them, but uh, just super excited to see you, man! Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Tell us uh, tell us where you where you grew up. Remind me where you grew up. Yeah, so I'm from the Bay Area. So I'm one of the unicorns that was actually born in San Francisco, ah. uh, but uh, raised up in uh, Santa Rosa, about an hour and a half north. Okay. Uh, Okay. Yeah, in kind yeah. of the wine country area. Yeah, is that Marin County or um, is that it's Sonoma County? Sonoma yeah. County. Okay. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I knew it was one of the two. Um, awesome. Tell what did what did your what did your folks do when you when you were growing up? Yeah. So my my dad was in retail sales with Walgreens for like thirty years. Oh wow. And my yeah, and my mother was in um, insurance sales. So sales is literally in my blood. Everyone's doing it in the room. Right, right on the whole the, the whole Arthur Miller. Uh, that, that's the whole the whole Arthur Miller story, right? Right. You, you grew up hearing about that one, huh? Exactly. Exactly. I, I love it. What about siblings? Yeah. So I have one sister. She's about six years older than me. Okay. She did not get the sales bug. She's a she not. She did not. No. So she's a a, a pharmacy tech for CVS. Oh, oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, shout out to Big Sis. Um, where's she living now? She's in Santa Rosa. She's still. in Santa Rosa. Awesome. Awesome. Very near the very, fan. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, let's talk about a little bit, Steve, about growing up, right? So um what what were you like? What what was your jam? Did you what did you get into? Um, you know, as we both know, I'm a huge sports lover still. But even as a kid, I was maybe even more of a sports lover, if that's even yeah. possible. Yeah. Um, right. I played soccer, uh, baseball, basketball. I played futsal. I played inline hockey because I was a 90s kid. So hockey, like rollerblades were huge back then. Uh-huh. Um, played all the sports and watched all the sports. And, you know, that was just everything for me was sports. I love then. it. I love yeah. it. You said you you say futsal, and that reminded me. I like started laughing to myself. Like I uh, I played like one year of soccer growing up because you know I was football, baseball. That was kind of my big thing. But I I played one year, and I was a goalie, and I loved it. And then um, I guess I was in my thirties or so, and uh, a buddy of mine who was super into soccer um, was like, "Hey man, we need a goalie tonight for futsal. You wanna you wanna play?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> Man, I went out there and 
I mean, I think, I think they scored. I think they might have scored a hundred goals on me. <laughs> right, it was it's so like, embarrassing. And I told him afterwards, I was like, "I am never doing that again." Uh-huh. He's like, "Oh man, don't worry, we weren't going to invite you anyway." <laughs> yeah, you're like, "Don't worry, we're good here. Thanks for coming." It was like never coming at me like I mean, felt like 110 miles an hour. You know, like I felt like I was going to walk away with a bloody nose. You know, oh my gosh! Uh, but, but uh, but yeah, it, <laughs> the older you get, you realize you're not what you used to be. Like every time we do, we have company softball leagues. Yeah, and I I pull a hamstring every single time. It's like, what am I even doing? Why am I even going out here? I'm getting injured every single time. It's because yeah, you're so swole. It's because you're so swole. Hamstring yeah, oh, pulls yeah, are right. only when you're sense. when you have you can only pull a hamstring when it's really tight. You know, so, so much muscle. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So uh, so let let's talk. Uh, I, I've added this uh, what what I call the glory days uh, question, Steve. So um, you know we we all need to. Um, sharing a little bit of glory days every now and then. So what was your proudest moment growing up? Yeah, I'll kind of stick to the sports thing. Might as well, right? Um, So our elementary school had a a sixth grade basketball team. So every sixth grade boy made that team. But they always left a couple spots for fifth graders, the ones that they thought were really good. And I made the sixth grade team in fifth grade. Oh, boy. I thought I was so cool. I'm still talking about it. You know, awesome. Um, and that I think I built the awesome. record for most points scored in a quarter by a fifth grader. Like a couple, yeah, it was like 12 points in one quarter. Nice. And my the games were like 22 to yeah. 18, so 12 yeah. points in one quarter. But That's I literally peaked in elementary <laughs> school athletically, so it all went downhill <laughs> after that. But, um, you know, got sometime, right. I love it. Yeah, it's so great. It's so great. What about like a, a memory uh, of growing up? Was was you, you know you said earlier sales sales is in your blood. Um, did you gr- you but but did you grow up thinking you were going to be a salesman or did you um, salesperson or did you do you have a memory of uh, of a dream job or anything like that? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I was thinking back. You know, what what did I like and what did I want to be? And I think forever. Uh-huh. It was a professional baseball player. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. you know, I wanted to be a baseball player. I wanted to be professional. And then I broke my foot in seventh grade and got a little chunky and was humbled. And sports was never a thing after that. Uh So I think it kind of got, I wanted to be an announcer. Uh, This is pre-podcasting days. I wonder if back in the day, if I would have, you know, if there was podcasting, I would have said sports podcaster, but there wasn't. So (laughs) I I wanted to be an announcer. Right. The uh, Kuiper, uh, uh, and Kuiper, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Growing up in the Bay Area, those those iconic voices. And, uh, you know, you had Johnny Miller in there, too, right? right. Uh, yeah. So um, that's pretty then awesome. Then you realize, sorry for cutting off, then you realize supply and demand, right? There's right. That's the a perfect example. Both were professional baseball players and they've been doing that for 30 years exactly not a lot of opportunity there not a whole lot yeah exactly yeah that's a very good point that's exactly kind of where i was with that one too when i started looking into it a little bit i'm like whoa hold on um so let's talk about um cal poly you know everyone has uh their own unique story uh, about how they ended up um in san luis obispo tell us yours yeah mine is definitely a unique story so um, when I graduated high school, I wanted to be a firefighter. So I went to oh. 
Santa Rosa Junior College, went through a firefighting program, actually became a certified EMT, was riding on ambulances, all that kind of stuff. And I remember specifically being in an ambulance and seeing something I, I didn't want to see. And I realized oh. maybe I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of had to pivot. Yeah. So I had some friends in San Luis Obispo. I came down to Cuesta and I knew I, the moment you step foot in San Luis Obispo, you're like, I want to stay here as long yeah. as I possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. You know, amazing school, uh, amazing city, town. Yeah. So I remember sitting at Cuesta, I think it was like a portable at that point. And I had a, like a pamphlet looking mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. every single major. I'm like, you know, kind of making a big decision by looking in, in this pamphlet. And I remember seeing sports management. And it was like, oh, yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> this is 100% what I want to do. Right. And, um, kind of the rest was history from there. I mean, it was like, yes, love it. it's exactly what I want to to study in school. Love it. That's awesome. It was amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you know, we we were just really uh starting to develop sport management back then when you were when you were in the major. I think we had one uh I think we had one cl- one official class. I mean, obviously yes. we we've had the concentration for a very long time, but you know, uh I, I tell the story about Dr. Hendricks when he, when he hired me, you know, he showed me the curriculum and I was like, that's not sport management and he was like, I know, that's why we hired you. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so, yeah. You know, but uh, but yeah, so uh, I, I love it. And I kind of had a similar moment as you, like when I learned that that you could do, do sport management. I'm like, shut up. I, I like pushed my uh, friend like Elaine Bennis used yeah. to Jerry, you know, like, yeah, uh, but uh, get out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I was the same way. And I, I remember taking your one on one class and it was like maybe very really in the beginning stages of it. Yeah. But like doing stuff like I remember making a press release. Yeah, for like a sports team, like you just make up whatever you want in there, and it was like couldn't be more of an assignment that I loved and was super into. It was really fun. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, totally, totally with you. So let's talk a little bit about your time at Cal Poly. I mean, I I, I know that that you ended up uh, forming some pretty amazing friendships. You know, I've already talked to one of your one of your buddies uh, on the on the podcast. Um, so but but tell us about um. You know, an, an enduring memory during your time in San Luis Obispo where you're like, oh, wow, I'll, I'll never forget. I'll never forget that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many memories. Right. So it's it's hard to kind of pick one, but I'll, I'll try to try to pick one or two that I could think of. But I mean, before I'm going to preface it by saying, you know, me and, you know, two of my best friends, they were groomsmen in my my wedding. You know, we're all going to our families are getting together a couple of weeks. We're all majors together at the same time, RPTA at that time. And, you know, we would be talking about what we were doing in class, like experience, you know, experiential learning. And our, one of our close friends was an electrical engineer and it killed him. Every single time he heard this stuff we were doing, he's like, you've got to be kidding me. You're doing that. That's ridiculous. But with that being said, you know, some of the things that popped out was, um, one was it was like an I don't remember what the class was called to be to be honest with you, but I was able I was actually a um assistant coach for a little league team. Yeah. And I was, you know, every week I'd go to practice, every Saturday I'd go to their games and just was able to learn by doing, you know, the Cal Poly way was actually in there 
learning about myself and, you know, how to, you know, work with adults and children and all that kind of stuff. And I specifically remember uh, an umpire didn't show up one day. Oh, game was not going to happen. And I was the guy that they all looked to, and I had to be the umpire for a game. Oh, boy. (laughs) That was probably one of the most stressful hours of my Cal Poly career was an umpire for a little league game. As you only imagine. Yeah, I I did it. I did it in college. I remember very, I remember very vividly. Yeah, right. yeah. You're like, oh man, uh, <laughs> you don't realize what you've gotten into until you, until you uh, get behind the plate. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, uh, I ended up loving it. I uh, I I developed um, I developed a pretty good uh, strike call. You know, those were I I grew mm-hmm. up in the days of the um. Leslie Nielsen. Uh, do you remember? Have, did you ever see any of those? Um, yeah. Any of those? What were those called again? Naked Gun. Naked Gun. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was like, I have to be careful here because I don't want to blow anybody's ear- eardrums out. But I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, that was like my. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got to get the the sound and the hand movement. You know, yeah. double whammy. Exactly. Um, exactly. That's awesome. What, yeah, about, what about okay. professional development, Steve? Do you remember? Um, you know, obviously, you you, you talked uh, just now about about coaching and that sort of thing. But is there something where you look back and you go, "Oh, wow! I'm really glad I got involved in this that helped to propel me onward to to what I'm doing now, or or you know, into your career." Yeah. No, that's a that's a really great question. I do remember we had a kind of a recreation for special populations oh, class. Yeah. yeah. And that was a really, really interesting class for me because my sister actually has cerebral palsy on the right side of her body. So that kind of struck a chord for me. And I've been working with people with special needs kind of my entire life. So that was a class that really kind of combined something that I was super familiar with, with yep. my major. It yep. kind of led into um, my uh, one of my first jobs. And, and, and it was a really, really fun experience for me. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. So let's talk about, uh, that pathway out of Cal Poly and, um, and what you did in the, in those early days, moving into your career. Um, what, tell us, uh, tell us first of all about your internship and how you got it, um, what you did, all of those types of things. Yeah. Yeah, so that special populations class is a perfect segue to this because yeah. I uh, did my internship with the Special Olympics of Southern California, which is you know they had a basis they're based in uh, San Luis Obispo. So yeah. uh, it was such a fun experience. I could tell you, working with the Special Olympics, not only you kind of learn about the logistics on the back end and how these you know events are are created, but you also get to like experience people people, you know, with special needs and people that aren't, you know, their parents. And, you know, I can tell you, I, I, every time I did an event, we were all laughing the entire time. The energy was just so positive. The vibes were so great. I mean, it was just such a fun experience that it didn't even feel like working. It didn't feel like an internship. You know, you were just so excited to, um, to, uh, um, go to work each and every day. And I'm sure they're, they might still be there. Jody, and Michael over at the Special Olympics down there, they were fantastic to work with. Yeah, you'll be happy to know that we've maintained that relationship uh, over the years. And um, yeah, it would just uh, just been a, a fabulous partnership that is, 
created so many, you know, so many lasting memories for for our students and and for the athletes and and the staff and and, and everything. It's just uh, just great. Such a rewarding, such a rewarding outlet. So. Moving out of Special Olympics, um, you or or let's I want to ask you about this, since this is something that you also did. You Mm -hmm. were also involved with the ESPY Awards, right? So Mm -hmm. so tell us about every um, obviously ESPN and ESPY Awards is something that that most most of the listeners will uh, resonates with them. And you got to do this. So, so tell us about how you got involved with that and, um, and what you did. Yeah. So I had a a friend that worked, um, for the ESPN and she got me a job for kind of it's, it was for the SB award show. And they had an initiative where they were going to make the, the show green as possible. So I was what uh, the title was called an environmentality ambassador uh-huh where i was a kind of a glorified garbage guy where i stood by the garbage can <laughs> okay and taught people how you know the difference between recycling and compost and landfill yeah. and did all that but along the way i met you know jerry rice i shook his hand it was justin yeah. timberlake i said hey man he said what's up bro like uh-huh. we had, you know, that was the gist of the relation of the relationship between us. But <laughs> I mean, it was um, one of the most amazing experiences because it, I also was kind of like a PA, yeah, and a, a production assistant, and that I was kind of doing a lot of the the grunt work. You know, the stuff that's behind the scenes, the stuff you don't think about, the operational stuff that yeah. makes this event happen. There's so much that goes on in the back end, and I was yeah. I was doing it. Did y'all end up passing that? Um position like down through the ranks or not do you remember that okay because we had a student who graduated relatively recently who was a pa with the sb awards also and and um and so i i just wondered i'm like wait a second is steve where that like started and you know how sometimes like when you get your foot in the door like some people you just keep passing it down like you know totally in retrospect i should have that's right. Thing, you know? <laughs> right exactly exactly yeah. so uh, so i want to um you know i i told you earlier when we were talking about going through your career i don't want to go like step by step and i don't i don't feel like that's necessarily that interesting mm-hmm. uh but but i i, I do want to ask you about a couple of different things um you know starting with with stanford university right i mean mm-hmm. obviously working for stanford athletics stanford university as an event manager you did that for um a a year and a half um how did you get that position what were you doing what was like one of the key takeaways from your time um uh at stanford yeah so i mean i had such a great experience at stanford so i got the job because dave jans who has been on your podcast before and was a groomsman at my wedding he um he did what i didn't do and he he continued the legacy by having people um, connected to where he worked. So he worked at Stanford and got me an interview. And um, I started working there. And it was really an amazing experience. You know, it's once again, it's it's the back end that you don't think of, of all that goes into events, right? And I, I did football games, where I was the on field operational manager, making sure everyone had credentials. You know, the funny thing is, you know, I was actually David Shaw, the head coach there, it was his first year. I was his quote unquote bodyguard after every game. 
So mm-hmm. every game I'd have to run out there and stand by him and make a path for him. I'm like the guy that you see that no one's actually paying attention to, but yeah. kind of making a way for him to get off the field. For sure. And so I bet people saw you on TV and stuff that people say. Was, yeah, it was like 15 minutes of fame was back then. I, I was that. I was like his quote unquote bodyguard. But in real, yeah. you know, in real life, he had linemen that were 350 pounds behind him. That would really be his bodyguards. But right, 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 um, right. <laughs> yeah, but I also did all the events. So basketball game, like we did a Stanford UConn bas- women's basketball game. And it was one of the coolest atmospheres I've ever been in. I and I was actually the the lead um, baseball operations manager. So the, the guy who did baseball only wanted one event manager. And so it was just me. So every single game, I had to do everything from unlocking doors to bringing over the umpires to letting in players uh-huh. to 911 if something happens at the game. To managing ushers, it was the entire um, entire event was all on me, and it was really an amazing experience for me, and really a good learning experience for me. And you know, no matter what I did next, I was going to learn how to do things and make decisions for myself and be confident when I do it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you know, I I I always love saying to people when whenever they say like um, uh, sport management, what is that? And I go. Yeah, I, I'm doing a I'm doing a pretty good job of uh, teaching students. If you don't know what that is, because they're behind the, they're the ones behind the scenes, right? No one, no one ever knows that they're there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a really like once again sports fan. So I saw Steve Young, Joe Montana. I I remember Stanford baseball played, and for the people that aren't sports fans, bear with me. Um, they played Fresno State when I was there. And this guy, who was like 6'6", bigger than everybody else, yeah. had the best series I've ever seen. And I remember going, I'm going to remember this Aaron Judge guy. Oh, man. I was going to, I obviously knew. When you said 6'6", I was like, oh, wow. I mean, he just was physically yeah. bigger than everybody else. He yeah. ended up the entire weekend. And it was like, this guy is going to be unreal. And yeah. He just broke the record last year year for AL home runs, right? So that's cool. That's cool. Love it. So uh, coming out of Stanford, you you started the path towards sales, right? And um and and obviously I know from looking at your resume that that you 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 started with TRX training, you went for seven years in sales, um, over seven years. And then you left for a little while and now you're back, right? But um, so so let's start by you, first of all, telling us what TRX training is and then um, and then break down uh, the stigma about sales. Yeah, let me do it. I can do it. I'm a sales guy, right? right. Um, So uh, TRX training is a fitness equipment startup. So we actually, our founder created this. A uh, piece of equipment called the TRX suspension trainer. It's a patented piece of equipment where you, it's these straps that hang down and you use your own body weight to do a multitude of different exercises where, um, and we've sold over 3 million of those um, pieces of equipment. And actually I sold to um, Cal Poly's rec center. So there's some TRX suspension trainers in there that I actually sold uh, back that in the way. That's awesome. That's know. awesome. All right, everybody listening, all the students out there. Now you got to think of Steve whenever you're doing mm-hmm. the. And if you've never done it, you got to go and do it, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and we're, we've evolved throughout the years. We're not just a TRX suspension trainer company. We do all equipment. All times, yeah. So we're kind of that one-stop shop to really have that you know great functional training experience at your studio or gym or rec center right okay yeah awesome Mm -hmm. 
in breaking down the stigma of sales. I could definitely do that. So do that for us. Because for me, you know, I, 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 real quick, sorry, before you do that, I mean, I think it's, um, I think it's really important for you to do this, um, because, and, and I've had a couple of, 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 um, podcast guests that I've, I've asked this question and, and we've talked about it a little bit. And, you know, I, Steve, I have to be honest, like I will, I used to be like petrified of sales and, um, and I tried to start my own company and, and try to be a salesperson at one point and I was terrible at it. Right. But I've come to realize in my, um, later in my professional career that as a professor, I'm in sales, right? right? I mean, we're all in sales in one way, shape or form, right? And um, and I, one of the things that I really like is this evolution of, of where we've gone as a department with experience design and this co-creation of experiences. Mm-hmm. And, and that's ultimately what you do as a salesperson too, wow, right? Am I right? Um, so, so talk about that and talk about how that experience is what's so valuable in, in a sales relationship. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, when everyone thinks salespeople, you think of like a used car salesperson, mm-hmm. right? They're trying to get you to buy something that they don't believe in, or they just want to get that sale over the line. What I'm really doing is more of a consultant type sales. And I'm now the director of this team. So I'm kind of helping my team do this, but it's more, let's just talk about what you, where your needs are. Mm-hmm. And let me fill that gap with a solution that's going to help your business grow. Yeah. So it's more of a listening and, and con- like consult consultation rather than selling. And like you said, you're, you're a salesperson, whether you know it or not, because you're talking about your program. And how amazing it is. And the reason why it doesn't feel like sales is because you believe it. Exactly. And that's the thing. If you go into that mindset, you know, um, of you know, believing in the product you're selling, then you'll never have to sell a day in your life. Exactly. You're just gonna have conversations with people. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And that's the and then the modern, you know, that modern approach um seems to be all about building relationships and building trust with people. And um, you know, I, I look back and I think about that failed business that I had. And I um even though I I, I even though I believed in the um idea of the behind the product, um it, they were environmental products. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really believe in the actual product or the company, you know, and so having that in the back of your mind, right? Like when, when you're ready to make that shake, right? I would get like all clammy and I would start right. to get weird and they're like, whoa, what's going on? You changed. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's That's why it didn't work for you. You were just exactly. 100% it, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. I would be a terrible professor if I started getting clammy, right? Right when I started getting into the lecture, <laughs> yeah, it would be awkward for everybody, right? It would, <laughs> it would. And some people would may, would may say, "Oh, well, yeah, you 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 kind of do do that already, Greenwood." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. So let's talk a little bit about um, what you see as um, you, you know. I think this is really interesting, Steve. So I hate to spring this on you, but I'm going to spring it because I I know. I know you've got the gift of gab. You can do it, right? right. So we we had this um, we had this thing happen. I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not sure if you were um, around for it or not. But a global pandemic hit, 
Mm. And, um, and everyone and their brother, uh, got into fitness at home and, uh, and started trying fitness at home. Um, and I imagine that was pretty good for TRX training. Um, but then I have heard that there's been a little bit of a bubble with fitness at home, um, over, uh, the last year, um, but it seems like from what I'm looking at that TRX training wasn't a part of that bubble that you guys had or had a way of being more sustainable. But talk to us about what that was like um, during the pandemic and how you navigated that whole stretch. Right. So I worked from home pre- prior to the pandemic. So yeah, my day to day in the beginning was yeah. not that much different. I still came to a computer. I still had virtual conferences. Um, but it definitely was kind of a paradigm shift um, for the fitness industry in that, yeah. you know, I'm a commercial sales uh, leader and, and commercial sales means B2B selling to businesses yeah. that definitely shifted away. It was more of a direct to consumer sales time yeah. where people are buying it for their home gym, yeah. buying it you know, for their, their mom's house, their dad's house. Their yeah. Yeah. Child, you know? Let me, let me call up Dave, Dave, Dave Jan's fitness studio in his garage. Con James fitness studio. Yeah. I mean, it was just became a shift in this industry um, yeah. of, you know, who was focusing uh, on, on what was being sold. Right. So yeah. for, for TRX, luckily they kind of had their, their, they were selling both the direct to consumer and the B2B market. So they were still being able to survive that time or some yeah. other, you know, uh, companies in the fitness industry struggled, you know, that like a gym itself or a studio itself, people didn't go for multiple years. So the fitness industry did struggle mightily um, for that time period. And it was one of those, those industries that was recession proof. So you never thought there would be a time where there would be something that would stop people from going to the gym. But the pandemic was the one thing that, that stopped people. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And, um, and then you had the explosion of all those different things like Peloton and the mirror. And um, I, I forget what the mirror is called. Maybe it's called the mirror. Yeah, the mirror. And there's, there's like tonal and temple. Yeah, kind of the at home workout yeah. systems and Peloton, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, really interesting there. Let's talk about um let, let's talk about molecules. So you, you did um leave TRX for a, a two-year period um to go to a company called Molecule. First of all, tell us what Molecule did or, or does. And um uh, you know, they, they say you can never go home again, but you, you've come back home, right? To uh you've come back home to TRX. But um what was what was the thinking behind that shift? Um it was around the pandemic, right? So was it pandemic related um that that shift? Um tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So molecule is an air purification company. So you can only imagine during the pandemic, there was a lot of need for air purifiers. So, um, you know, my decision is I had some good friends there and, you know, I was gifted this opportunity. So I said, you know, I've been at TRX for seven and a half years. I had nothing ill to say about them, but I wanted to just try a new venture and, and yeah. see how that went. And I went there and, you know, Molecule had this patented technology where I was able to not only collect the pollutants in the air, but destroy them on a molecular level. So it was kind of going that extra step of not just collecting coronavirus, but actually breaking it apart on a molecular level. So it was really 
a cool um, technology that they were selling. Yeah. And, um, you know, the cool thing is I was running that B2B team. So I was able, it was kind of a build the cart as you go because the B2B side of Molecule was thrust into existence because of the pandemic. Yeah. It was purely just at home, direct to consumer business prior to the pandemic. Yeah. Pandemic happened and then somebody for business to business. Every restaurants, everybody, Mm -hmm. hotels. We're all looking for some way to make the air cleaner and making people, whether it's visually, you know, the company showing that they're going the extra mile, mm-hmm. but also like it showcasing that they have a um, technology in there that can, you know, collect and destroy pollutants in the air. Yeah. So gotcha. It was, it was a really great experience. I enjoyed my, my uh, two years there. Yeah. Uh, but once again, I got, I got kind of an offer. I couldn't refuse to come back to TRX to run the department that I worked at for seven and a half years. Right, 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 right. Well, I was going to say you ended up getting a promotion and yeah, coming yeah. back. So that's pretty cool. Before we talk about that, um, let, let's talk a little bit about Portland. You're in Portland, right? Is that where you're you're living or not? I'm in Portland. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So how long have you been in Portland? And um, and tell us your uh, your favorite thing about Portland. Yeah. So yeah, my wife and I were living in San Francisco and we were, this is about five years ago and she was interviewing for a job with Microsoft and the job was based out of Portland. Oh, cool. And, um, you know, we were in San Francisco. We were kind of ready for that next step, buy a house, have kids, get a dog, all those things. And we were like, if you get this job, let's go. There's nothing anchoring us to San Francisco. Right. So, you know, my wife is absolutely amazing um, and she got the job. Yeah. And so we're like, let's go. So it was really kind of a quick decision. So we moved up here okay. and bought a house, had two kids, got a dog. We've been here for five years. We love it here. Um, and there's just so much to love about Portland. You know, it's, you know, aesthetically, it's beautiful. It has, you know, great places to eat. That's probably my favorite thing is the the food experience up here from fine dining to food trucks. I mean, you can find everything and anything that you want to eat here and it's going to be to the highest level. Yeah. So, I was going to um, say, I bet Portland's a lot like Asheville, North Carolina. You got to have uh you got to have your game if you're going to do well in uh, Portland. Uh, <laughs> right? right. Yeah. You can't skim. Yeah. You got to make some quality food or else you won't last. Yeah. yeah it's, I have like a, a bucket list of restaurants that I, I check off when I go to and it's never ending. Like I'm always adding stuff to it because they have, so many amazing places to I eat. Bet. I bet. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so in looking at um in looking at the space that you're in, right? The fitness industry and, and sales, um, what do you see as one of the biggest challenges moving forward? Yeah, so they're still kind of getting out of the pandemic. You know, a lot of companies, you know, went bankrupt, a lot of companies mm-hmm. lost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Right. And they weren't able to, they're still kind of scratching and crawling to get back to where they were previously. Mm-hmm. So the fitness industry, when it comes to capital expense, CapEx, so money they can spend, they're still trying to get back to they were prior to the pandemic. They will, they absolutely will, but they're still in that stage where it's gradually growing to get to where we want to be. Um, and that's the biggest hurdle, you know, because we're in sales, there's always going to be quotas and goals 
and you always look at you know previous you know historicals. Um, so sometimes it's hard to hit those numbers if you're you're working with customers that just aren't there yet that are able to spend. Yeah, makes sense. That totally makes sense. Now the the flip, we'll we'll, we'll go the positive route. What do you see as the what do you see as the big opportunity? I I might say the same sort of thing. It's like they're coming back. So, you know, coming back with a vengeance is a real thing. Like, hey, you know, we're like a phoenix from the ashes. Mm -hmm. We're back and we're better than ever. And that's how, you know, we can be that partner to help them get to where they want to be. And that's really our biggest, but not all customers are there, but some are. So it's really fun to help them grow and help them get to where they want to be for the, not only their, um, their clients, but for the, you know, the, the staff as well. So it's been um, really fun to, to help these kind of key customers get back to where they want to be. Love it. See, that's why you're such a good salesperson. Phoenix, (laughs) a Phoenix from the ashes. Like I'm I'm like, sign me up, Steve. There you go. (laughs) Next thing you know, yeah, you're going to get a gym. Now I got a suspension gym in my garage. Exactly. Greenwood studios. Right. Uh, So, so let, let's talk about uh, a little bit about time travel. Um, So uh, if you could time travel and go back and tell, junior year steve something what would you tell yourself um without doing like any sports betting like back to the future too <laughs> i would tell uh, myself maybe to be you know what we didn't realize is when you're sitting next to someone in class and you have professors you have a professional network that you don't even realize you have yeah. um i would have stayed more connected you know obviously i have two groomsmen that are you know that are my network but I would have stayed more connected with them organically. You know, that could be on LinkedIn, that could be on social media, that could be via text, because every job I've ever had, mm-hmm. I had a connection there. I knew someone that worked there, yeah. right? They they helped vouch for me as a, as a human being, as a worker. So imagine if I expanded my network by working with everyone from, you know, my cohort and talking to them and picking their brain and asking them questions I think that's what I would have done differently. I love it. I love it, Steve. That's um such such great advice. And you know, I I have recently been trying to. I mean, we've always obviously gotten students in small groups, right? But we we haven't always done the best at talking about what you just talked about, right? That that um we we always say yeah network, but then we don't teach them how to network, right? And and everyone's kind of shy in their own way. Right. Even people who are gregarious, like, uh, you know, like you or me and 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 are, are, are we obviously attract a lot of people, 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 mm-hmm. but even people, people, it's a little bit harder to necessarily make those real connections where you can like feel like, oh, yeah, I could call this person up and ask them for some advice or I could, like you said, you know, Um, and so uh, I've been trying to be a little bit more conscious about doing that. So I really appreciate that advice. I, I think that's really great for the for the students in particular who will hear that. And now the last thing I'll ask you is um, what advice would you have for a student who listens to this podcast and who says, you know what, I would love to get into the fitness industry or or sales. Um, mm-hmm. What advice would you give them? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, when I graduated in 2010, uh, ironically, my favorite quote was on the back of the pamphlet. And it was a Conan O'Brien quote, which actually is not like a 
he's not a guy that does a lot of quotes, right? But it was, uh-huh. it was if you work hard and you're kind, amazing things will happen. Nice. And um, there's so I know it's super cheesy, but there's so much truth to that in sales. If you work really hard and you're kind to the people you're selling to and you're kind to your coworkers, the sky's the limit. And I feel like I got to where I'm at by working super hard, grinding, doing the doing the the, you know, the grunt work in the beginning, but being good to my coworkers along the way. You know, there's one thing about being good to customers, but even mo- almost more importantly, it's being good to the people you work with day in, day out. Yeah. So um, if you're, you know, if you work really hard and you're kind, the sky's the limit. And that's what, you know, my advice for people in sales is just be yourself, work really hard, be kind to everybody and you will be successful. Love it. Well, that's uh those are, are great words to live by. And I, I think Conan O'Brien nailed it there. And uh you <laughs> you nailed it by uh by with that advice. And uh I can't thank you enough. It's so great to uh catch up to catch up with you. Um, you know, uh I, I guess we're gonna we're gonna end up having to close this triangle and have Colin on. I mean, uh I at some I'm point. Seeing him in two weeks. Yeah, we gotta uh, yeah. get yeah. <laughs> You tell you tell him that it's not just closing the triangle. I really genuinely want to talk to him too. And um, you 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 three guys uh, are, are were just uh, were amazing guys who were part of that first cohort or so that um, that I ended up getting to teach here. And um, and uh, it's just so great to be able to catch up with you and see you doing so well. And um, and when I get up to Portland, um, we'll we'll have to try out one of those uh, food trucks. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me know when you're in town. I'll, I'll show you around and it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. It was Love great it. catching up with you, Dr. Greenwood. Love it. Take care, Steve. Yeah. Have a good one. You too. Bye.